Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Welcome to Game Master's Studio, a podcast where we're talking about tabletop role-playing games and how to bring your game at home up to the next level with tips and tricks. Although we are stepping away from that model a little bit today to talk about technology in gaming and how it can be used to enhance your game. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator. With me in the studio today is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, early adapter for technology in gaming, and semi-professional DM, and Ed. Hey guys, hey, did you know that they have the internet on computers now? No. <laughs> All right, so. I couldn't believe it either. <laughs> we're talking technology in gaming, which is going to be a little bit different from our usual spread today. Um, normally we talk about tips and tricks that you can use and mix in, and now we're actually going to be talking about devices, applications, and other options that you can use to enhance your gaming experience and help build it up. Now, as with every change, development, and new thing that comes along, there's going to be pros and cons. And we've been working with various technological options to enhance gaming for actually a couple of years now. So we've seen some of it in the long run. I would say right off the top of the head, the first thing to be aware of is the con is going to be your traditionalists resisting the change. Mm-hmm. Your biggest hurdle for getting into a technologically updated game is getting the people who just want to be the old school, pure dice, paper, pen, and there's nothing else you need mm-hmm. style. Getting them in, getting them in the door to sit down and give it a shot with applications or a virtual tabletop or any of these other options, that's going to be your biggest hurdle. And if you can get over that, you can find that these things that we're talking about today can really enhance the game, make it a lot more fun, and help speed it up and keep track. Uh, so we're actually starting with, I believe, talking about virtual tabletops. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I was one of the first people to start bringing some tech into our group, and uh, one of the first things I did was look for these virtual tabletops. I wasn't sure exactly what I was looking for at the time. Uh, at first, it started off with, like, I was building stuff in Photoshop and trying to run Photoshop in full screen mode, and trying to just control things from there, mostly just because I wanted to use cool, you know, maps. That's really what it came down to. I didn't want to have to worry about having a physical, drawn-out map and having, you know, physical minis set on on top of it. So. And, and visual is a great way to add the immersion. Rather than having to describe what's going on, you can show a picture, and it helps boost up so everybody's on the same page as to what's going on. Right, exactly. You know, because, you know, I've been playing with Photoshop for years and years and years, and it's been kind of one of my things, so I spent a lot of time playing around with, you know, making these nice 2D, bird's-eye view, you know, D&D-style maps, and I just was trying to find an outlet for it, and then I ran into a couple different virtual tabletop programs, and one of them was D20 Pro, uh, Roll20.net was another one of the, the two th- of the three that I ran into. I think Map Tools was the third one. Those are the first three that I ran into. And I spent a lot of time kind of like pro and conning between the three. At the time, Map Tools ones that really having a lot of uh, updates. Like it was kind of like a couple of years, you know, since anyone had been worked on it, you know, had really worked on it or updated the program. Uh, Roll20.net was nice, but it was one of those, like, it's all web-based, so everyone would have to, you know, in theory, everyone at the table would have to have a laptop and be online and be on this website. 
and I didn't really like the mapping system that they were using. So I, I kind of like after spending a lot of time, I kind of fell to um, to D twenty Pro, and you know I've loved the program ever since. I and mean, there's still you know in the beginning there were still some things that I wish they were at you know had added or wish they would add. When since then they've been working on it, uh, specifically like shadow casting, which is actually in beta right now. So I mean that's that's been just like the go-to virtual tabletop. That's what we've been using with our group for the last couple of years. We've gotten everyone turned on to it, all the players and the other people that switch off DMing with us. Yeah, they are up to version 3.5.7 now. I actually just started up a new game literally last night, and I I had to refresh and re-update my, my copy of D20 Pro to the newest version so that we could start getting... This other group that I'm starting to introduce and starting to to get people through and in the door, the old school players who are reluctant to to look at a screen rather than looking at a piece of paper. Yeah, I think there's actually there. I haven't I downloaded it, but I haven't installed it yet. I got to play with it. But they have the beta. It's like three point six point two or something like that that has shadow casting in it. Wow. So I'm going to be playing with that in the next few days. So I'm yeah. excited to try that out. We had a moment in a cavern where we were. Using the fog of war to simulate the uh, light sources and stuff. We were talking about how we were really looking forward to when that would be available. Yeah, it's it's in beta. I just was looking at the website the other day, so that's going to be a big exciting feature. Something I've been looking forward to for quite a, a while. Something they've been talking about for themselves for quite a while. Uh, they've had they had a successful Kickstarter a year ago that where that was one of the the big pushes on that. So. For these virtual tabletops, largely what they are is it replaces a number of the items that you would have on the table. Uh, Depending on which one you have, they'll do things like they will be able to track initiative for you. Obviously, you can have maps and tokens to represent where people are, have them move around. Um, A lot of that that helps replace the possibility of something getting knocked over by someone being clumsy, a gust of wind blowing papers away, uh, mistaking which miniature is which, and it helps bring a lot of organization, helps speed up those games. Yeah, uh, you know, the the technology does bring a lot of good aspects to gaming. Um, you know, I, I am amongst one of those kind of more old school people where uh, anything technological shows up in my game, I want to instantly... Uh, pull the person aside, tie him up to a stake and burn him like a witch. But, uh, but no, in reality, it's done, it's done quite a bit of, quite a bit of good. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of D20 pro now, you know, haven't really delved into it much, but as someone who has played using it, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty fun. Even, even roll 20 though. Uh, I do prefer D20 pro over that roll 20. is still, uh, a, a good tool for that as well. Mm-hmm. Was in a game, uh, group for a while where, uh, uh, there were multiple players and just just wanted some online game, so everyone was just at their computers gaming, and it was a great system mm-hmm. for that. I think um, I think that there are different systems; they have different strengths. Yeah, um, I would I definitely think that Roll Twenty it has that wonderful options for doing remote access. If you have people scattered around, you're connecting over the net. Yes, I much. have felt like Roll Twenty is a stronger, um, but if you have where it's more of a group session where everybody's in the same room already. Yeah. D20 Pro does some great connectivity to really allow people to, to work together in person. Yeah, I, I agree on the same sort of strengths. I've used Roll20.net to uh, you know to play a game where I met up with a bunch of people I didn't even know because they have forums there where you can just look for games like you know looking for players Wednesday night nine o'clock to eleven o'clock. 
And I just found a random group of people and I played with them online. I found that, you know, it was a nice system. Plus, Roll20.net's automatically set up to have, like, kind of like the your webcam Skype kind of system. Like, it's right built into the program. Yep. Um, I know a lot of people have been using Skype in addition to Roll20. That's actually what our group did. Is uh, yeah. yeah, I thought you said you'd, have, we, you'd had a couple on Skype. Yeah, we, we logged into Roll20 and all of the messaging and uh, or most of the messaging and dice rolling and anything that we did was through Roll20 but the actual talking we, and webcam stuff was yeah all, all the Skype. talking was through Skype we didn't really do the webcams yeah. but uh, yeah it was the same with my group yeah. you know, and I hadn't used Roll20 before you know like to actually play in a group and they were like oh well Roll20 is still working on some kinks there can be a little bit of lag and stuff, stuff like that if you use it internally I don't know personally from experience because that the one group that I played we used Skype yeah. So I didn't have a chance, you know. And for all I know, they've been doing a lot of work on their stuff too. I know, you know, I keep up, mostly keep up with their their and, news and updates. So I think they've probably been working on that and getting that fixed as well. Yeah, and actually, speaking of Skype, that was actually one of the first pieces of technology I really used with gaming. Uh, I lived in another state for a while, and I had some gaming groups that were up here, uh, and uh, the only way I could game with them was online so i had to have my webcam and have skype set up and mm-hmm. you know we'd play you know they'd have it set up so that uh you know i would be facing the rest of the group so i could see everything that was going on i even semi-successfully ran a game over skype which i thought that was kind of like <laughs> yep. the group was in one place i as the gm was somewhere else and for a while it went pretty smooth well that makes it pretty easy to hide your notes yeah oh that is true i rolled a 20 again <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you've been rolling a lot of 20s that I can't yeah. see. Yeah, uh, I mean, when it comes to... The GM can roll as many 20s as they want. Oh, the GM, you know, to tell you what he rolls, I crit. But what'd you roll? I rolled a 1, I crit. <laughs> um, yeah, so I crit on a 1 through 20, thank you. <laughs> I definitely think roll20.net, you know, is between the two a little bit, of, you know, it's a little bit superior, mostly just because it's web-based. You know, D20 Pro can do the long distance thing, but you have to make sure that whoever is hosting it sets up a static IP. And there's just a little bit more techy, you know, involved in that setting that up. And I don't know if that's something that they're currently working on or not. I don't remember if that's, you know, on their list of things to do. Um, but yeah, for being in the same room, I completely prefer D20 Pro. I prefer how the it runs the the creatures and the PCs and the tokens specifically, like that was a big thing. Mm. Um, just, you know, the the control of the tokens. I don't have to like set up macros, you know what I mean? I don't have to program in code to make certain things work. I don't have to right. program in roles. I don't have to teach it to roll a wisdom save for me. I can right. just click a button. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, speaking of, of the program, then you were actually talking. You had you were speaking with some companies that are working on setting up fully pre-programmed modules to go in through through the virtual tabletop. So instead of having to you know buy the book with the maps to be able to run it, everything's already programmed into the system for you. Yeah, Cobalt Press just recently released this cat and mouse adventure. It's intended for uh, first level uh, a group of first level players. And it's got five fully colored maps that they've already pre-programmed the Fog of War in. It's got 21 NPCs slash creatures, six different handouts that all are programmed into the program already. So it's really just plug and play. It's pretty much, yeah, you just plug in your PCs. I'm assuming you would still need a booklet or there might even be like, a, there's probably like a digital PDF that goes along with it for the DM. So you have some notes to yourself. But yeah, you pretty much just, 
you know, download this pack, install it properly into your, your D20 Pro and, you know, program your P- player PCs or, you know, into the, the program and you're good to go and you can play through these different maps and do all your fighting and boom, you know, you're playing this cat and mouse adventure. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. I'm sure they're going to be doing more of that in the future. I think Frog God Games has been doing or been prepping some of that. I don't think they've had any released yet. I know they've been talking about doing like some Pathfinder-based stuff for D20 Pro also. Mm. I think that'll really kind of help the gaming system, and I think this is kind of the start of what could be a big wave, because if you have the modules out of the books, you've got to get that, the the publishers have to get that physical book printed, you've got to get somebody to go to the store or order the book, there's got to be enough material in that book that is going to be worth their money and all that. I think having these online modules will be able to have publishers put out smaller, quicker adventures, be able to connect to people Quickly, you know, you may not be able to find some place that stocks a physical printed copy of a module, but with the online marketplaces, you just go in, find, oh, this is the type of thing I'm looking for, download it, away you go. And it's, I think it'll be able to become much bigger market as people realize all the stuff you can do, all the different variety that can be introduced Mm -hmm. and help people move out and along. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely the next logical step. And, you know, in addition to fine-tuning the virtual tabletop programs, because there's still a little bit of, you know, again, they're, you know, shadow casting still in beta. Um, I don't know where they're at with upgrading D20 Pro into being a fully compatible 5th edition for, like, D&D. I know that we've been using the 3.5 version ourselves, but kind of muting it. Because there's a lot of things that, you know, the program does for 3.5 that is kind of semi-transparent or can be, you know, tripped into doing 5th edition, so to speak. You know, and there's a lot of actual functions in D20 Pro that we don't even take advantage of. We don't spend a lot of time programming in, like, the special effects and stuff like that. Um, But... You know, and I think they're working on auras too. Like that's something that I'm personally like, like really looking forward to. Like down the road when they get like aura of effects. So like, if I'm like a paladin that has an aura, like say like a healing aura on me, and you know it will just be in effect with a radius. And if other you know tokens get within range of me, then it will affect them also. Like that kind of thing. Like when they get to that level. I think that's when like it will really start to take off. It won't feel like it's these small companies trying to make a program. It will feel like a legit, fully you know realized, fully developed program. And having these uh, these pre-programmed, pre-installed adventures again, that's that's the other big logical step because that will make it feel like more like a, a finished product. I think there are already some advantages there that we've seen being able to use it oh, that have really helped. Uh, include and immerse the gamers and bring things up uh, that you really can't do on a tabletop. Two of the specific examples, um, because they both kind of came up in my game the other night, one being private messages. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of these tabletops allow you to send messages specifically to other players, um, which really eliminates the obvious bit of passing a note across the table. Because that way, even even if you don't see what that note says, you know that there was a private communication between the GM and a player or between two different players, where with the virtual tabletops, using those private messages can happen a lot more subtly, so you may not know what's going on. And sometimes we've even used it for side conversations to help keep from detracting from the game. Mm -hmm. Um, The other big one that is... Almost impossible to replicate on a tabletop, but works amazing on virtual tabletops, is invisible characters. Yes. 
Um, if you have the virtual tabletop set up where each player has their own individual tabletop, uh, it should be set up so that the GM can make certain characters invisible so that they only can be seen by the GM and by the person playing that character. It really, we've used it a few times at a few key locations, and it helps bring a nice touch to the game because everything is organized and regulated, so the invisible character is still obeying the rules, and you know exactly what the GM knows exactly where they are, but the other players only know that it's somewhere in you know, wherever, which is fits that theme of the invisible characters. You don't know what's going on, but right. you know that something is there. Yeah. Another huge advantage to uh, the virtual tabletops, and one of the things that we all noticed right away was just the speed at which combats can be had. Like, it just expedites, you know, combats quite, you know, quite efficiently, especially on the DM side. Yeah. You know, it's it's the one of the also when it comes to organizing your initiative because that can be one of the most time consuming things at your table depending on how you run your games how organized or you know you are or not but, you know what'd you roll for your initiative what'd you roll for your initiative what'd you and instead I just go click beep 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 okay boom my initiative's rolled technically I'm taking away that roll from everyone but you're getting all the same pluses that you normally would get I'm just t- taking that one dice roll out of my player's hands that's the only dice roll I take out of my player's hands. You know, I say, okay, you know, I'm going to roll initiative for you. It has all the correct modifiers programmed in, and then boom, I have X number of initiatives rolled in a half a second, and the program is already organizing, okay, this is the first person up in initiative, this is who goes. You have control of your token, move and do what you need to do, all right, now it's up to me. And then, especially as the DM, you're typically controlling one to 34 plus monsters, you know, having to maintain, okay, which goblin did I already move? Which goblin have I not moved? Is that the goblin that I, I rolled a 1 on for initiative? Is that the goblin right. that I rolled a 20 on for initiative? You don't have to worry about losing track of stuff. You don't have to worry about accidentally skipping guys. Yeah. You don't you have know. to worry about players missing their turns. Yeah. Um, you can wind up having the game interrupted and come back and, oh, the computer is saying, this is where we are in initiative, rather than, wait, who went? Did you go? Did I? Yep, absolutely. Uh, I, I will say, as a, as a GM and someone who has loved epic fantasy battles for most of that time, I got... <clears throat> I felt like I got really good at taking care of that sort of thing. I feel that's still one of my strengths as a GM. You know, I feel like I'm an okay storyteller... You know, I know the rules well enough, but keeping initiative order, going, making sure all everyone goes, all the NPCs, all of that has one, been one of my strengths. So I can have 20 plus p- things in a battle and things will seem to go, things will seem to go fairly smoothly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was very impressed by D20 Pro the first time we had a really big, massive battle in that. And even the last, like, m- so the first big battle. But the last one that, we, that I had in that was just a massive battle. Yeah, over that, that was a war. Like 150 <laughs> play, players on the field or something like that, yeah. right? 174, if I remember correctly. Oh, insane. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I feel like, okay, I probably could have handled that all right. But, good God, this system is letting us do this and very efficiently. And I do yeah. like the initiative thing because I do tend... To keep things running smoothly, I tend to roll initiative for all of my NPCs. They all go at the same time, which is a little unrealistic in some ways, but also efficient in other ways. Yeah. With D20 Pro, like you said, you have that initiative just rolled right there, and everything just goes in its own order. So mm-hmm. I've always felt like that's a really, really good thing to have. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a big strength of virtual tabletops, so yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I think... 
personally, that's I, I know that was one of the, fir- the the first instant draws because one of the the first time we used D twenty Pro, I was running the game or the first time I ran you know a game with D twenty Pro I should say, I had a fairly I mean it wasn't really honestly compared to some of the, the battles that we do now knowing how much we can push the program but I think I had something like thirty ish zombies against like these level one players yeah. That's a, that's a big battle. Yeah, it's a really it, good it's battle. It's a big battle, especially for a bunch of first-level players. They don't have a lot of resources at hand. And like if like that would be typically, I would say, not using a virtual tabletop program, I feel like that probably would have taken like the whole session. You know what I mean? Like that that would have been the session probably. It would right. have been like this combat and then like, well, come back next time, guys. Hope you like the opening story, I mean combat. <laughs> but instead it took like I think probably like an hour-ish. And that was also because like I was new to D20 Pro. We were all we were all new to D20 Pro. It was, you know, a bunch of level one characters, you know, a bunch of people new to their characters. So there was there was a lot of reasons why it went. It could have went like now. I could handle that battle even faster. We could probably do it in like twenty thirty minutes. You know, depending yeah. on how much we just sped through it. Yeah. Um, but also there was a little bit of role playing going on during it. So, and also it was also like not regular zombies. There were my custom Zeke zombies that get back up. So I mean, thirty zombies that keep getting back up if you don't de- you know decapitate them before they stand back up. It, that prolongs the battle. It's a wrath <laughs> issue. <laughs> it's a wrath thing. Um, yeah, yeah. We don't want to give too much away about what's going on until Frath gets published. But um, I think he touched on another really important point there. When working with any of this technology, you know, it was slowed down because you were new to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that if you're going to be bringing it in, if you're going to be that early technological adapter for your group, that you take the time to work with the programs ahead of time, so you're not puzzling it out during the game itself. Right. Yeah. Um, I actually, that's going to happen anyway, but certainly play with it. Right. Yeah, because I had played yeah. with the program right. quite a bit before that yeah. session, but it still, it's like you never know what's going to happen until you you fumble and trip. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. And I ran into a little bit of a snag when I was using. Uh, the newly updated version because I went to log in and my players were like, yep, we we downloaded it. We have it. And it's a, it's this version. I'm like, no, I have, Oh, I guess I have an older version. So I needed to update. And some of the new features or places being moved to a little bit different location mm-hmm. had to get used to that on the fly. Yeah. They've retitled some things and re reorganized some of the menus from what I understand. Again, I haven't played with it yet, but and we can talk afterwards. They actually made some really great improvements. Sweet. Um, so the virtual tabletops are really the big, the big core of the technology. There's a lot of other options that you can use yeah. as well that we wanted to touch on real quick. Yeah. Um, dice apps. Yeah, you can find those anywhere. Uh, they're all online. You can find them. You don't even have to really get an app. You can certainly, but I mean, you can just go. Dice yeah, roller all, most know. virtual tabletops have it built in. They'll have yeah, it built the in. The one that I typically use, you know, like if it's not something I can't just quickly use as like a push of a button within the virtual tabletop, the one that I tend to use is the one right from Wizards, you know, yeah. Wizards of the Coast. I think it's like wizardsdiceroller.com. Right, something simple like that. So then you can do like 30D20 plus 6 and boom, there it is. Yeah. I have uh, an app that I use on my tablet, the people that have dice rollers on smartphones. Yep. You've got That's plenty right of there. options. And that's also something where everybody's going to remember to bring their phones to the game. And that comes in handy no matter what system you're playing. Oh, absolutely. So, for instance, like D20 Pro, Roll20, a lot of those are, of course, D20 based. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you'd have to, if you're playing a different system, like say a, a GURPS or a Vampire or a, a Rifts, 
you'll really have to modify it if you're going to use those systems because it's not really meant for that. Yeah. But every game has dice that you need to roll. So dice rollers, getting them anywhere, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty convenient. Also, online uh, um, character sheets. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Myth, like we use mythweavers.com or myth-weavers.com if you want the, you know, the official address. We use that. You know, yeah. that's common. Um, a big advantage because you can set it to share to whoever it is you want, exactly. which typically you share it to your DM. So your DM has instant access at all times to your real-time character sheet that you're keeping updated. Exactly. You know, throughout my session when I'm the player, I'm constantly making sure I'm keeping track of spell slots expended, hit points that are down. If at any point, you know, whoever's running the game wants to go and say, okay, well, you know, Jared's used a lot of spells... Is he tracking this? Does he know how many spells? Boom. Okay, he knows he has one spell, one first level, one second spell level slot. Yeah, ready to go, and that's it. Everything else is spent. Okay, you know, real time tracking. Or hey, I need to make sure I modify and update these tokens between sessions. Let me just go online real quick. Boom, I got all the info. Boom, updated the token. Or it's Wednesday morning, two a.m. As the DM, I'm working on planning. And wait, what languages does the cleric speak? Yeah, right. I pull that up, take a look, see what you got, without having to. Oh, I got to remember to talk to Dave about what his cleric can speak tomorrow. Right. Uh, yeah, huge advantage having character sheets online. I prefer that everyone does them digitally now. Like. I know again. Some people are technical, you know, tech resistant. Most of the you know people that play in our games now, pretty much almost everyone brings a laptop, so we've all pretty much adapted. But you know, there's there's always people that are tech resistant, and if you don't want to use online character sheets, that's fine. But then I kind of want to hold on to your character sheet all the time, just because I'm used to having that instant access whenever right. I need it. But at the same time, I kind of want you to be responsible for your own stuff, and then yeah. it's, you know you have that kind of like tug of war in your head. Yeah, and it's always gone back, you know. Every game I've played, the first session, it usually ends with, um, are you keeping our character sheets? Are we taking them with us? Do they stay here? How do we want to do that? And it's just useful to just kind of, we're just going to eliminate that discussion. Yeah. yeah. So that we're getting, by getting rid of that discussion, we're getting maybe just another minute or two of being able to actually play the game. Right. It's true. But if you ever have to make that decision, I personally prefer to keep the character sheets just to address that so I never have to mention it again. I, I like to address because then I don't have to worry about like, oh, I forgot my character sheet because I always have my stuff. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm not, we're not having a game if I don't have my stuff. Right. And then I, you know, and then it's very rarely have I had this be an issue. It's been like probably 10 years since this has crossed my mind, but every now and then I always have the whole like, but if he has his character sheet for the next week in his hands, then he can tweak things without my knowing. Oh, oh yeah. no, I have 63 hit points. I thought you had 59. No, 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 I have, I've had 63 hit points. Well, that yeah, that's, certain, that's certainly a trust issue. Yeah, yeah that trust goes back to the long-running issue that we always talk about. Trust. Like yeah. I said, it's been a Player long trust. time since I've had that issue, and it was one of those, like, you know, pick up games at the game store kind of thing. Um, it's one of those things. The more experienced a gamer you, you become, you know, hopefully you start to realize this... This, these numbers don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. What's I mean, 59, 63 hit points, who cares? Don't get me wrong. Everyone has that little bit of a competitive streak where they want to win. So if, you know, four more hit points will help them win, no. slightly higher strength will help them win. I, I get where that's coming from, but it's a game ultimately. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from DM was when we were, when we were actually working, because we were building characters and I made mention that I thought that the stats were coming out a little high the way they did that. The DM said, stats don't matter. If I want you dead, you're going to die. It's the truth. That's what it comes down to. So, yeah, ultimately, a couple extra hit points, 
yeah. won't save you if yeah. the DM decides that it's time to die. Yeah, on other tech things, I mean, again, um, there's a variety of ways to use the virtual tabletops. We start off with just the DM having his, you know, his slash my uh, laptop and then a projector projecting the map for the whole group to share. Like, so mm-hmm. everyone just shared the projector for the but map. Actually, we started off really ghetto where there was just a spare monitor yeah. that was sitting there that had, you know, lines and dots for the the walls of the dungeon and which yeah. character. Am I the purple dot or am I the red dot? Yeah, that started off super ghetto there. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but we, you know, I got a projector and we projected it down. That was the other thing, too, is before we even started, when we were still using just Photoshop and not a virtual tabletop, so we didn't have tokens, we just had digital maps. So that's why the, the, my custom-built table is designed to have this big opening in the middle because we were projecting maps down into, down onto the table, and then we were still using minis. Yeah. So we just put down like a big white piece of paper, we'd project the map, then we'd use physical minis to move things around. And then eventually we moved into the you know, D20 Pro and using the virtual tabletop and quickly realized, like, oh, well, we don't have to have the map projected onto the table. It can be projected on a wall because we have digital tokens. Right, yeah. And then as people more and more accepted the program, more and more people kept just bringing their laptops and buying their own copy of D20 Pro. (laughs) So now pretty much almost everyone at the table has a laptop with their own copy of D20 Pro. Of course, the DM has like two guest passes that they can use, but we almost we always have the projector going, which is taking up one guest pass. And, And ultimately, all of this culminated in we had one player join the game. And on the first session, he happened, he's like, oh, yeah, I've got a laptop out in my car, brought his laptop in, set it up, went to D20 Pro, got set up, bought the license right there. And before he had even used it, because of the way, oh, yeah, we've got five, six people that are using. So he's like, okay, I guess I'm in. Yep. Right, right. Yeah, it was funny just how Boom was up and running before we started the game. I think we like, it held up the game like five extra minutes or something like that. Boom, he's yeah. ready to go. Yeah. Um, on a line of other tech things, though, another big thing that I like to use, and this goes to both tech and immersion, is music. So especially since I already have my laptop there, I have you know D20 Pro up, I also have iTunes going in the background with a bunch of custom playlists that I've made. You know, right. playing like, okay, I have a combat phone playlist folder, I have, you know... The, the thriller, mystery, suspense, you know, full um, playlist. I have this playlist, I have that playlist. And there's a lot of different companies or, or websites out there now that are making, like, custom stuff just for D&D. There's, like, tabletopaudio.com. And then there's yeah. another one that I honestly wish I could remember the name of. It starts with an S. It's, like, S-Y something. But I know that they just advertised it. They were giving props to it on D20 Pro's site. And I think Cobalt Press might have even been giving props to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and... Uh, Raging Swan Press just gave props to it too, but it's a. It's it's, a we're gonna have to look that up and like post it on the message boards or something. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I will. Yeah, I'll find out. I wish I could remember it off the top of my head, but I'll find it out. I'll post it on the boards. I'll make a, a post on Facebook too, just so people know what I'm talking about. But it's basically another site similar to TabletopAudio.com, where they just make like playlists for combat. You know, but for the different, you know, the different scenarios that you might need, and but it's from what I understand, it's almost more of like a streaming kind of thing, where you're not like you don't go and download X, Y, and Z. You say, uh, I created a membership to this thing, and I'm playing. You know, are you playing sci-fi, fantasy, this, that, or the other thing? Okay, I'm playing fantasy. Okay, well, here's a generic fantasy streamed, you know, uh, playlist that will play for you, and then you can customize it as you play. Like, okay, we're doing a combat scene now. Boom. Okay, here's we're gonna up the tempo and the intensity. 
Yeah. So it's supposed to be much more interactive and not just like you spent a lot of time programming it, but you're just telling it what you need and it does it for you. And I believe isn't tabletopaudio.com they have they also have their ambiance yes, sections. That's and that's the nice thing about tabletop audio. They have like ten minute clips, so they're not short little one off songs, but they have like ten minute clips of just like generic ambient sounds. So you can get like the dungeon echo, you like you hear the dripping in the background that's echoing throughout the cave. You can get the, the campfire crackle with the the animals, you know, hooting and howling in the in the dark woods while you're sleeping. One of my favorite moments with that was we were uh the party was on the road. We were staying at an inn and uh the in ambiance background was loaded up and it, it, it was like, you know, 10, 12 minute clips so that it's just, you know, the background of like stuff moving around the end and we're, we're, we're playing and we're role playing our stuff. And in the ambiance, you suddenly hear a voice go, she said, what? <laughs> and the entire party like stops and we're like, wait, now we want to know what she said. You know? <laughs> so it kind of, it kind of incorporate this into the role play right now. Yeah. <laughs> kind of have to. <laughs> And it was just, it was just a funny moment because it's just the background stuff, and all of a sudden, all the players had that same reaction to the background that they would have that their characters might have. Yeah, right, exactly. Like we, we noticed what was going on because there's the murmur of conversation the whole time, but then mm-hmm. just one that spike, which is out. exactly what would probably happen. At, you know, your typical tavern is like a bunch of murmuring that we're completely ignoring, but then all of a sudden, someone at a table three tables away from you, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's going on over there? Yeah. Uh, another nice piece of tech, uh, I guess probably on the kind of the lower tech uh, side of things, uh, um, uh, forums, online forums. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. know, they're not going to help you necessarily in the middle of the game, but it's really good for, you know, the storage of, you know, like history and backgrounds and some of the maybe world maps that you're using, uh, any NPCs or characters, and also a fun little deal, recaps. You know, it's yeah. always good to know what happened in the last session. You know, instead of having to ask your your buddy, which you know always can, of course, but for recap, is posted, you just go back and say, "Okay, that's what we did last session." You know, so and then you could also have players come in and hey, check out the forums, check out the recaps board, and I'm going to see go see what you were doing last year, mm-hmm. and I can start to understand how this campaign's been going, what's going on in the world, without having to have been to those sessions. Or like, I have a couple of friends that like to play D&D, but they don't have time to play D&D, so they just like to go in and read the recaps and be like, dude, I love hearing about your games. Like, I, you know, almost every time I hang out with, like, Adam and a couple other friends of mine, you know, like, oh, so what happened in your last game? So what happened? You're like, oh, man, yeah, yeah, dude, I love hearing about these games, so I've, you know, they've gone on and read the recaps of our games in the past just to kind of, like, it's, you know, it's a mini evolving, you know, storyline that's going on, and they just get to see what's going on and, and kind of wish that they were there. <laughs> Which is a great way to make sure that you always have a full table. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of funny how the, I just kind of created that forum back in the day for Vrath, you know, vrath.proboards.com. Um, and it was mostly just for me to kind of start organizing my thoughts. And I do believe that the vrath.proboards.com uh, actually does have the recap section as one of the boards that are available for a public right, yes, you don't viewing. have to be a member for you. Anyone can just go on there and read the recaps of our, our past games, and they're all dated. And they're all titled like you know we pretty much approach them like TV episodes. So you go and you find the campaign that you're looking for, you find the adventure that you're looking for. It'll be dated so you know when it was played. Yeah, and it's and a couple of years worth of recaps. Yep, now. several years worth of recaps. So learn the history, learn the legend. And yep. be ready for wrath when it arrives. Yep. As much as you can see, there's tons that you can't see. Yeah. 
just because uh, I'm, I'm a paranoid guy and I don't like the idea of someone just going out there and stealing my thoughts and, and swiping this world out from underneath me. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a look at some of the technology we have. And, of course, the modern world being what it is, I'm sure technology is going to continue to evolve. We're going to see a lot more things coming up that's going to enhance games. And hopefully we'll be able to keep an eye on those and give you a heads up on what's going to be maybe the next big thing. So we'll finish it up for now. If you like, definitely feel free to get in touch with us on our own message boards, GameMasterStudios.ProBoards.com. You can contact us on Twitter at GMS Studios, and we are available on Facebook to drop us a line, like, comment, subscribe, and all that fun stuff. We have new episodes coming up every Tuesday. We've got a long list to still work through, so we'll be here for quite some time to come, and we will see you the next time we're back in the studio. Bye, everybody.